Hello and welcome to the Emergence Discipleship Podcast. As a church, it's our hope that the proclamation of God's Word on Sundays would turn into the application of God's Word in our daily lives, leading to the transformation of people in our local communities. To that end, we pray that this podcast would serve to further equip you with more insight, background, and context into the themes and topics we study each week, first as we gather together to worship Jesus, and then as we go to make disciples. Thank you for joining us here today, and let's get started as we dive into this week's discussion. All right, well, hey, leaders, and welcome to week four of our study through the prophecies of the king. I am joined today again by our pastor of theology, Doug Becker. What's up, Doug? Howdy, y'all. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Doug's got a fancy new iPad that he's got in front of him. It's very fancy. With like 20,000 books in Hebrew and Greek and everything else. That's right. <laughs> I can't understand the world that you live in, Doug. I saw a good meme about that this week. Yeah? Yeah. It was like about like finding 10 books that you like buying them all, reading three, and then repeat until your house explodes. Until your house explodes? Yeah. Why would your house explode? Well, it's books? just a joke for how people buy books and then they don't read them. Oh, yeah. and then they end up stocking on the shelves. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the that's why the digital books are better. Maybe we should put a link to that meme in the uh, show notes. We could do that. I'll, I'll right. allow you to do that. You can comment with that, that meme. That. Should we probably talk about what we're uh, actually here for? That would be a good idea. <laughs> probably. All right. So this week we are in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. We are talking through my favorite parable in all of scripture, the parable of the talents. And so the key point for this week is really that Christians are called to use their gifts and resources to further the kingdom of God. And so, uh, Doug, you want to just give us like an overview of kind of how we should look at this passage and, and specifically this parable? Um, yeah, so this is uh, coming to the climax of Jesus's teaching. Well, I don't know, maybe not climax, but Jesus is just about wrapping up his teaching. This uh, this next week will be the final thing that he uh, that his final real block of teaching in the book of Matthew, and um, and so these are uh, somewhat parting words for the disciples before he goes to the cross, okay. and um, at least as far as Matthew has structured his gospel. And um, this is a, an important parable in that it talks about what the Lord has entrusted us with and uh, and how we're going to use it. And it's interesting that, you know, they the, the issue here is not doing wickedness per se, okay. you know, like being huge sinners, but doing nothing. Right. And so it's very convicting, I think, to... Um, probably all of us at one time in our walks of faith where where we um, really just sit content and do nothing for the kingdom of God. Right. So a lot of times we talk about, I guess, the difference between the sin of commission and sin of omission, right? Yeah. And really what we mean by that is like, so the sin of commission, for example, is, is a sin that you commit, right? Like I, I actively go out and do something that is wicked. I am committing a sin, right? Mm-hmm. Or sinning, uh, but it's something that we do. So the sin of commission is something that you actively do. There's also the sin of omission, right? And those are very much the things that we should be doing that we don't. You know yeah. what I mean? For example, that um, you know, if God's placed somebody in our life that He's obviously put on my heart to love well and serve well, and I just refuse to do that, uh, that would be the sin of omission. And Doug, to your point, in the parable of talents here, Jesus is is very much. 
Uh, I mean, he's kind of addressing both, but the sin of omission here is really the the key that's sitting like God's entrusted uh, resources to all of us, a certain amount of talent, right? And we'll talk about talent in a second, but a certain amount of talents that we have available to us. And the the question is like, how are you investing those things for the kingdom? Right. So that's kind of the overarching question for this. Yeah. And and interestingly, uh, at least the last two parables, this and the one that, well, actually the one that follows it isn't really a parable. But the teaching about the final judgment, I'm talking about the sheep and the goats, both of those focus on omission. Okay. And you can even argue maybe a little bit that the parable of the virgins also. So Jesus is very concerned with that as as he wraps up his teaching in Matthew. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little jealous that you could just scroll through the Bible pages right there and I have to flip through this now. I'm, well, mo- a lot me. of people have probably heard my tirade against digital versions of Bible. So <laughs> you let's not advertise that. <laughs> it's, right. it's I like doing it. With this because it's quiet. Yeah. And if I have to flip through, you're not hearing pages. You don't hear this that I'm doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. All right. So let's jump into this. Um, For our discussion guide this week, we've got our getting started questions that are there in an icebreaker. Um, And then we've labeled this first section a man on on a journey, right? And so as we jump into that, what do you mean by that, by the the way, Doug? Because you labeled this section a man on a journey. Yeah, basically, it's pretty profound. I was sitting there thinking, what can I label this section? (laughs) And uh, and so the man on the journey is the master who holds his servants to account. Nice. So that's about as faith as uh, fancy as I get. That's that's the Usually, extent of your creative abilities. Yeah, right there. yeah, yeah. Well yeah. done, well done, Doug. All right. So the master's on a journey, is ma- and uh, the servants here are are left behind to kind of steward his resources. So this week we learned that a talent is actually a measurement of weight used to denote a large sum of money. And in the sermon, Ryan talked a little bit about uh, you know that that could be a talent of gold, it could be a talent of silver. It might imply one or two different things, but we can understand that a talent itself is actually a weight, a means of measurement. Um, and uh, God's given us these talents to, uh, you know, well, the, the scripture offers us the, the vernacular of talent, right? But for us too, Doug, and you can comment on this, really, the talent is a measure of weight, but we can also look at this as, as symbolic for how we would think of talents as well. Is that correct? Yeah, although as long as we don't limit it to talents. So very much uh, first question there, what do they represent in your own life? So yes, a a talenton was a measure of weight. Uh, He's probably talking about silver here um, and uh, because gold would just be astronomical. And it's not not really used as current – talents of silver are not really – gold is not really used as currency in the first century that much. Well, arguably, it is Jesus giving a parable about the kingdom. So could it be gold? Maybe. Well, he's not specific. But but either way, it's a lot. I'm just poking Um, you, though. (laughs) Um, it's a lot that the servants are entrusted with, and it kind of also sheds a little bit of light as to what is uh, like the circumstances of some first-century slaves. Because as mm-hmm. we get to get 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 onto later in the in the discussion, uh, really, you could just as easily translate this slave. One of the, the big problem with that, of course, and we've got a fair bit, a fair amount on this on the notes for this week, right? But. Um, you want to be careful not to impute everything that we associate with slavery into what was going on back then. That's not to say that it was peachy and rosy for everyone. Right. But um, it's not quite the same the, extent that we've seen in America. The, the fact that a master, that it would be just a plausible plot point in a parable that a master leaves three slaves with this kind of money to mm. just, you know, work with and. And to steward. Yeah, and to on steward. His account. Yeah, yeah, is, is pretty. Um, you know, it's telling a yeah. little bit about 
what's going on. All right. So talking about talents a little bit, as far as this first question, you know, as you read the parable, what sorts of things do talents represent in your own life? Uh, A lot of times when I talk about this parable, I often refer to like the three T's. You've probably heard them time, talent, and treasure a lot of times. Uh, Not to say that that's the end all be all, but, you know, normally if I was to answer this question, a lot of times for me, you know, when I'm talking about talents, I'm looking at my time. How am I, how am I stewarding my time? Uh, as well as gifts, as well as financial resources as well. So uh, there's just a couple uh, examples for you. That I, you think, can use. I think Jesus is purposely vague here mm. um, because uh, it's like, honestly, if like if, if you had, obviously it's important to do with, to, to um, work well with the things that God has entrusted you with. Right. So there's a lot of importance on it, mm. but then again, he doesn't really tell you what they are. All he does is have the symbolic representation of them sure. because I, I think that's meant plug in whatever God has entrusted you with here, whether it be, mm. uh, you know, relationships that he's given you mm. or, you know, your, your position at work or your, you know, your position at church whatever it is that he's given you that can be leveraged for the kingdom of God Hmm. can be read in here. Awesome. So question number two this week is asking, what can we infer from the fact that in this parable, the wealth belongs to the master and not the servants? Uh, I think this is a great question. Doug, you want to give us a little bit more insight here? Mm -hmm. Um, So a couple of things that come to mind here. um, I mean, really the, the, the main thing to think of here is, kind of this idea of what do we have that we have not received mm. so whether if it's something we 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 tend to think that these things are things that i earned or i worked hard at and therefore that's why i have them that's why i'm good at them that's why these things are at my disposal but you could just as easily have been born into circumstances where you don't have them or life circumstances could have been a lot different for you to where they don't have you don't have them god is sovereign over every part of life mm. and so everything that we have that can fall under the category of talent here um is 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 from god right and and so it's a stewardship it's something that he didn't have to give us mm-hmm. but he did um and 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 it's up to us to um, to use them wisely. My life is not my own. My talents are not my own. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. Question three. Ryan mentioned this weekend that it's the job of the Christian to increase our master's assets. What are these assets? What does this look like practically? Um, did, should we answer this one too? Did we talk about that already? Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty same thing. Yeah. Pretty yeah. general. The you know the the kingdom of God uh, people. Yeah, I, I mean, break down the parable most simply, right? If mm-hmm. you know, when it comes down to it, if we're using our talents, what is it that we're furthering the kingdom with? It is people. We are, you know, so to speak, we are in the business of people, right? right? As a church, we're not here to increase our assets in the sense of getting, hey, let's get more buildings, let's get more campuses, necessarily. Yeah, we're here to see more people enter into the kingdom. Yeah, and if the byproduct of that is is more churches, campuses, building, fine, whatever. And you know an, what and I mean? an but, obsession with those campuses, buildings, and things can if, the, if that ends up being detrimental to people. Yeah, and that's. And that's really uh, that's also going to come out in this week's message, where um, where the the primary thing that God is urging us to do is to care for what is His, mm. and ultimately, when we think of the church, right, that's His. That's what's purchased with Christ's own blood, mm. and so any form of leadership, whether from the very top of a church's structure all the way to kind of more foot soldiery type things. And, and and really just being someone who attends the question is like am i this belongs to jesus what's going on here and so is what i am doing hurting it or helping it sure sure 
So number four, a sad reality for the church today is that there are many Christians who find themselves perfectly content living their lives passively and doing little to nothing for the kingdom of God. Uh, why do you think this is? So obviously the, the question's kind of formed in a way that's uh, suggestive, right? And we will say, you know, you can take a look at all of the statistics that we have from churches today. There are a lot of people that consider themselves Christians that really do um, do nothing, uh, almost nothing for the sake of the kingdom in the sense that, you know, I show up at church on Sunday, you know, I put some money in the offering plate and that's the extent of my existence here within God's church. And that's not at all, you know, God's design for his people, you know? Right. So the question here is, why do you think that is? I mean, I think this is a pretty obvious question and this is one, you know, leaders that I'm really going to probably hang around on tonight for my own community group, uh, and just kind of explore some of those reasons. I'll probably go, you know, you know, where are you guys kind of struggling with this too? You know, have you seen this in your own life? You know, where are some areas where you feel like you may have become passive uh, for the kingdom and so on and so forth? Yeah. And um, it's it's also important to realize that Jesus is speaking this to a first century audience. This has always been an issue in the church. It's not an issue that's unique to our time. Right. Um, it's just that, the, you know, maybe some of Maybe some of the specifics about the reasons, but the human heart has remained the same. Yeah. And um, the the challenge of taking up the cross and really living a life of risk in some sense, right? It's mm. Jesus is teaching throughout Matthew at several points um, indicates that that there should be some risk taking going on mm. in your life for the kingdom. Yeah. This other question here too kind of feeds into it, where it's like, okay, you know. How do we at the church kind of contribute to this? You know what I mean? Do you feel that there are any ways in which the church is contributing to this passive type Christianity? And and what can we do to kind of correct this? And, you know, I would say that here at Emergence, I think we have a very healthy balance. You know, I would say, this is just my opinion, Alex's opinion. I think we have a healthy balance of wanting people to walk in the front door and feel welcome and not feeling like they're being attacked by the church to be a part of this, that, or the other thing that you can come and experience what God's people are doing without being, you know, bombarded with a bunch of people trying to get your information and get you involved in, in this thing or that thing. Right. But at the same time, if we're not careful, we can tend toward, you know, just being a show every single Sunday, people show up and worship and have, you know, a great convicting sermon. And that's the end of it. You know, now I realize even saying this here on this podcast is like preaching the choir, right? Cause we're talking to leaders who have stepped forward to actually lead communities and help lead others and to shepherd, to uh, shepherd them toward Jesus, which is awesome. But I do think that, you know, the modern day church, this, you know, these days can tend to lend itself uh, toward allowing people to come in and come out without really being known in the church, without really being able to walk in discipleship or community with others, um, and and really, you know, having a, a church home, mm. you know, so to speak. Number six, if your life was evaluated right now, do you think God would determine you to be faithful? Why or why not? I'm actually going to highlight this question. I really like this question. I'm going to save this for the end, <laughs> the end of the discussion tonight. I think it's a good one, you know, mm. because it's very personal. And questions like this for me often are the ones that kind of come right before prayer. Because, you know, if somebody's willing to share enough to say, hey, you know, if I'm looking at my life right now, I, I feel really convicted that God would tell me I'm not spending my time resting, right? Yeah. That's me, Alex speaking. So, like, I if I'm sharing that, I'm going to want to share that with my group and, and go into prayer. So maybe you guys uh, would consider moving that. If not, if you're ready to jump into it, then hit it. I think it's a great question and, and very, very practical and, and, as well. And very much in line with the teaching of these parables, right? Because mm -hmm. the whole thing, a lot of what he's saying here is you don't know when your master is coming back. And so yeah. be ready, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't wait to the end of the discussion. Jesus could come back question. before you get shoot. Yeah, very true. Mm. Very true. Number seven, given what we read, uh, given what we read from this parable, how does God define what it means to be good and faithful? This is my favorite question, Doug. This is my favorite question. I ask this all the time, the guys that I disciple. And that's why I stuck it in here, by the way. <laughs> um, so here's what's crazy, right? A lot of people, if you just, you know, if you walk down the street and say, hey, what does it mean to be a good and faithful uh, steward of, of Jesus's kingdom? What does it mean to be good and faithful? They're like, well, be a good person or go to church or, you know, give or whatever that might be. Love people well, you know, be welcoming, be generous, give to the poor. We could say all of these things, right? But at the end of the day, the way that Jesus defines faithfulness in this parable is furthering the kingdom, is multiplication of, of God's assets, right? And so if God has given you a certain amount of people in your life that he's calling you to minister to, to love, to, to help encourage them, to help lead them, to help disciple them, to help shepherd them toward Christ, like faithfulness is walking forward and to see that multiplied over and over and over again to the ends of the earth, right? I always think of 2 Timothy 2.2 where Paul's talking to Timothy. These things that I've taught you entrust them, the faithful men who are able to teach others also, right? This four generational type uh, multiplication or development, if you will. But essentially Paul's saying to Timothy, like, don't let this die with you. Like the, the whole role, oh, Timothy, is not to just be a great pastor. And I hear that myself and it's just like, our role here at Emergence is to not just be a great church that people love coming to. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome, good, awesome. Put that to the side. The purpose is to see the kingdom go forward, is to multiply disciples, is to multiply fruit for the kingdom. So I love this question. Not to toot my own horn, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's another a one. wonderful question. Thanks, man. Appreciate no problem. it. You look great with my headphones on, by the way. Thank they match you. your shirt. Thank you. Uh, number eight, what areas of your own life do you feel you could grow in faithfulness with what God's entrusted to you? So again, uh, question number eight kind of goes with question number six. So I might do both of those things together. You know what I'm thinking now too, for my community group tonight, we might split up into men and women, uh, uh, before prayer and just kind of walk through some of these things together and pray for one another. So maybe it's a good option for you guys as well. Let's move on to this second, um, section here, Doug, called the heart of the good and the faithful servant, right? Question number nine, consider that despite having a vastly different amount of talent, talents, (laughs) the first two men in this parable receive equal reward for their faithfulness. How do you think this should influence our attitude towards others with more or less or different resources than ourselves? Um, This is really cool. I love that you brought this up, Doug, because like you look at these guys and you've got one guy with 10 talents, another with, um, in Matthew, I think there's only three of them, right? 10, five, and one. Am I right in that? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, yes. Isn't doesn't this happen elsewhere where it's ten, five, two, and one? I don't know that off the top of my head. Oh, no, I mean, I'm... I know that it does occur in other synoptic okay. gospels. Maybe I'm making that up. Yeah. But anyway, so we've got the three. We've got ten, five, and one, and then the two, the um, the first two, the guy with ten talents and the guy with five talents. Despite the fact that they have a vastly different amount of resources, they both prove equally faithful, and they both receive an equal reward in the sense that what they had was doubled. You know what I mean? And so Ryan kind of went into this, into the sermon this past weekend and started talking about how it it really doesn't have anything to do with, uh, I I guess, the level of talents or the level of resources so much as it has to do with faithfulness Mm -hmm. and what we do with that. You want to comment on that too, Doug? Yeah. um, That, that, uh, and not only the, the amount is doubled, but also the joy entering into the joy of, the master mm. is another thing you want to emphasize here. Um, and yeah, uh, it's, it, it is uh, very common and very human to compare ourselves with others, to feel that, uh, 
you know, this per I, I, you know, am gifted in this way or, or I'd like to be doing this and this person is doing that. Why can't that be me? Sure. And we all feel that because there's always going to be somebody who's got, uh, who's better at doing what you do than you are. Mm-hmm. And always a bigger fish. Always. Yeah, exactly. And, and it very well may be, maybe, <laughs> I mean, maybe you have more and they're just being more faithful. With it. <laughs> but the, the thing is, is that the, the eye, our, our eye should not be on what we've been given. You know, why is this the, you know, almost being jealous of one another? Right. Because the fact of the matter is, is that God has given you exactly what you want, what what He wants you to have, not what you want, but what sure. He wants you to have. And um, part of part of growing, part of the Christian walk, and part of serving is being able to do a lot with little. Sure. Um, and. And that in itself is a way that we grow. Mm. And so being handed everything on a silver platter is not necessarily, um, you know, a better thing and a thing and a thing and a situation to envy Um, because really our uh, our our goal is is to know the Lord and to be faithful to him. And if having less of something gets me there, whereas having more of it maybe have would have been a hindrance to me then we should all rather have less. Hmm. I would say, too, that the talents can, you know, we're kind of suggesting financial resources a little bit here. But, I mean, go back to kind of the symbolic talents as well. You know, there are certain levels and there's certain abilities and, and to a certain extent, you know what I mean? For, for many of the folks that I lead, you know, they'll come to me asking for advice and insight into Scripture. And yet, even as we kind of talk in this podcast, Doug, I look at you who can understand the original languages and, I mean, you could translate them here. And I look at that, I'm like, what an incredible amount of talent. And it would be a shame if I, in my own walk with Jesus, is like, well, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't help others understand scripture because I don't have Doug's level of understanding. I haven't read all the books that Doug's read. So let me first go and try to recreate, you know, your own experience and try to get to that level. Meanwhile, throughout the entire time, never doing anything faithfully with what God's got me yeah. doing right now. And, and it can be a hindrance. Yeah. Like, being being gifted with us in a certain way can be a hindrance. Um, I mean, one of the ways that I learned that early on in ministry is when I was pastoring my last church, I remember there was a young man who, you know, was showing interest. And 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 so I took it upon myself to kind of take him under my wing, mm-hmm. disciple him. And part of that was going through scripture together. And, you know, we'd, we'd talk about what we read every week, just like I do with a group of guys now. Um, and the and the the thing i wound up struggling with was that here's this 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 young man who'd never been to college and you know uh and did not have the opportunity to spend 8 years full time mm. learning this stuff and not not to mention all the you know personal reading and study that i've done over the years and I think it was a discouragement to him mm-hmm. because it began to I, – I was inadvertently enforcing this false notion that unless he could do what I did mm-hmm. and, and knew the things that I did that he, go through years he didn't really understand yeah. scripture or mm-hmm. he couldn't really teach scripture. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a failure on my part. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's – so. So, I've seen I've seen that in my own right too, and yeah. especially with a lot of a lot of folks that I walk with too. They're like, "Well, I don't I don't know my Bible well enough to be able to you know to be able to help others kind of understand it." And it's like, 
It's funny, like I, I've said that myself, and I, I hear it from a lot. So I don't, I, I don't want anyone to think that if you're thinking that or feeling that, that that's you know necessarily wrong. But you know, think of it from the other side. You know, you're talking to somebody that may know nothing about Jesus, mm. and if you know nothing else than the fact that God sent His Son to take on the sin of the world, to die, to, to put all of the, to pay the penalty we couldn't pay, and redeem us back to right relationship with the Father, that we can have life in Christ's name with God. If you know that alone and nothing else, then you know the key to salvation. Like, you know yeah. everything you need to know to help welcome someone to life in Christ. You and, know what I mean? And there That's would, it. And, there's, and there's, there's someone out there who needs to hear it from a person like you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well yeah. said. Like, like another thing. Like, so Alex is really good at planning and stuff like that and scheduling and everything. He's like, a, I made a starter pack of little <laughs> images for out of pick stitch. For everyone who works here, and one of Al- Alex's uh, pictures is a picture of a planner, right? And like, if he's discipling God, so God's obviously endowed him with a gift of administration. But if everyone he disciples, if he's, if you know, if he's, uh, he's not going to resonate as much with people who are um, much more fly by the seat of your pants kind of mm. double booking meetings all the time and stuff like that. Sure. Don't have anyone on staff in particular on mind in mind <laughs> about that. But, um, you know, so um, there's different types of people that the Lord is calling to himself and we all have a role to play. Yeah. So the question for us then is how do we be faithful with what God's entrusted to me? And maybe mm. the beginning of that is asking yourself, like, what are those gifts? You know, and I think we asked that somewhere else. Let's move on here. Uh, number 10, notice that in this parable, slavery is being used as a metaphor for discipleship. In what way or ways are disciples similar to slaves? And what does this communicate about our relationship to God? Now, here's an interesting question because, again, Doug, and and you can comment on this. Let's talk a little bit about what we're talking about when we use the word slavery, right? Because there's, you know, as Western Americans, we hear slavery and we think back to the atrocities that we've committed as as a country uh, through our own country's Mm. history, you know, but... Um, why don't you comment on this a little bit more, Doug? What, like, when we're talking about slavery here in this parable, and you know, some translations are saying servants, others are saying slaves. Like, how should we understand this? What is the Bible trying to communicate? Yeah, and really, um, you can actually. Uh, this is not an easy question in terms of Bible translation. Uh, you can actually, I think, go on YouTube and watch footage that was taken during one of the meetings for, I think it was a revision for the English Standard Version, hmm. where. Uh, the different guys who are translating it are sitting there trying to decide how do we render these words in the Old and New Testament? Do we call it servant or do we call it slave? Because servant, uh, it's not as harsh as typically of what we think of as slavery, and it certainly isn't racially based. Sure. Often it wasn't as harsh. Right. Um, But on the other hand, a servant kind of implies that you're just a hired hand and you can leave, right? Where slaves are are owned by people in this age. Um, but the point is, is that, um, and you know, some again, some of this is in your notes. That um, one point that a commentator makes on this is, is that Jesus using slavery as a metaphor for discipleship is no more condoning slavery than him comparing himself to a thief is mm. him condoning theft. Sure. Right. Sure. It's it's simply uh, we need to take out like what is the salient point of comparison. And um, the fact of the matter is, is that uh, the idea, the ba- the basic idea of slavery, is that you're owned by another person. Okay. 
And the, a very strong um, passage where this comes out is in Romans chapter 6, uh, verses uh, 15 through 23. And um, this, is, this is something that I think is, uh, is, very, is very important. So again, an answer, the basic answer to this question is that we, we don't own ourselves. God owns us. Um, okay. We're purchased but with the blood of Christ. But check out what Paul says here in Romans 6. He says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed, and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness." And then he acknowledges the crudeness of the metaphor. I love sure. this. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. And the interesting thing here is that um, that there are no free agents here. Hmm. It's not as if not being enslaved to God means you're free. No, every human being is under captivity. The question is, are you under captivity to sin or are you under captivity to God? Hmm. Is does your, does your captivity, your slavery, lead to life or does it lead to death? Hmm. Is your master kind? Does he love you or does he hate you hmm. and want to destroy you? And those are really the two options. Hmm. Everyone is a slave. And that's interesting because, you know, just given our culture's history, you know what I mean? The idea of having a master is something that leaves a really bad taste in our mouth. But, like, you look at who God is, you yeah. know what I mean? And he's just like, he's the good, he's the good master. And you if know what he's I mean? not your master, sin is your master. Right. And so, actually, you know, I, I was reading along with mm. you, Doug, right after that, right, in verse 20. So, Romans 6, verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed, yeah. right? For the end of those things is death. But now you've been set free from sin and become slaves to God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal Notice life. the double use of the word end, the yeah. end of those things. Where does this end up for you? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, back to this parable, the one at hand, you know, you were, you were talking about this earlier, Doug, that when he says, come enter into the joy of your master, mm-hmm. he's really alluding to the end times, right? So he's alluding to the... The big end, entering into joy. But we have another question here that kind of talks about that. When you, when have you personally experienced some of the joy of the master, right? We're referring to, you know, to a measure in, in this life, on this side of eternity, um, and share a time where you've seen God's blessing as a result of faithfulness, whether that's your own or something else that you've seen. Uh, let's work through this last section here too, Doug. Talking about the unfaithful now, right? One key point from the sermon this week was that being entrusted with much is not necessarily a guarantee of faithfulness. In fact, as Ryan pointed out, one huge temptation for those with abundant resources is the temptation to simply treat Jesus as a spiritual add-on and settle for good enough rather than truly sacrificing for God's kingdom. Meanwhile, it's just as easy for those with less to put off sacrificing at all until they have more, which also leads to treating Jesus as an add-on and, and never really furthering the kingdom, mm. right? So we've got, we have both sides of this coin, right? If God's entrusted us with a certain amount of resources, you can be, I think Ryan uses the term saying, uh, rich, faithful, poor, faithful, rich, 
unfaithful and poor unfaithful or, or something like that, right? It doesn't matter what resources we have. Are we going to be faithful with them? Yeah. And there's, there is sin of omission on both sides. The thing know? is, is that Jesus becomes Lord of all that we have and all that we are. Exactly. Yeah. So a couple of questions here. Number 12, of these two, which do you tend to resonate with more personally? Um, I'm actually, I'm, I feel a little easy kind of reading that question because I don't necessarily want to pose that and have people talking just about financial resources. Um, really what we're trying to get to is, you know, as, as you look at what God's entrusted to you, with, uh, to you, do you tend toward thinking like, well, if I have more, then I will, then I will sacrifice. Or if I have more time, you know what I mean? Or if I'm, if I have a better understanding of scripture, then I'll start discipling people. Or do you tend toward the other side? It's like, yeah, I have a great understanding of, of scripture perhaps, but you know, I'm, I'm discipling one person or, or, Hey, I serve in this area. That's enough. You know, I'm doing enough with that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to be financial is kind of what I'm saying. If, if your life hasn't been changed you know, not just some churchy stuff added, but changed by Jesus, then there is reason to be concerned. Yeah. Question 13 here, consider the actions of the wicked servant in the parable. In what way is failure to invest in God's kingdom connected to sin? Again, uh, we mentioned this a little earlier, talking about the difference between the sin of commission and omission. This is obviously a sin of omission, right? Well, I, I dug the, I dug up the ground. I, I hid the talent in there. Here, have back what's yours, right? Not, not quite the point of what, of what's going on there. Yeah. And notice the attitude of him too. He's, he's, uh, he sees his master as harsh. He sees mm-hmm. this as harsh, as not something. And in particular, the idea that this is, it's, it, there's also a selfish attitude, right? Because he's like, you reap where you do not sow. Mm-hmm. Meaning that, uh, meaning that, you know, um, that it's, you're the one who's benefiting from my work. Right. You know, why should I work for you? It's, it's, yeah. So it, it's funny because in that, in that type of attitude, you know what I mean? I, I've seen this before and I've felt this before, even in jobs. It's just like, okay, well, if I'm stewarding somebody else's stuff, well, it's not really mine. You know what I mean? So I don't care as much for that, so to speak. Right. But if it was my own, I would be a lot more careful with something. You yeah. Know, if I'm driving someone else's car or versus my own or yeah. blah, 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 The blah, rental. Blah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the rental car. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's a great bit on that, by the way. I have to send you this comedian. He had me crying. It was so funny. Um, but anyway, you know what I mean? So, it, and that's a little bit of the heart of the servant here. It's just like, well, I'm not furthering my own gain. I'm furthering the master's gain. So what do I care? You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, which is a really, really sad thought. But uh, in reality, he doesn't He doesn't really know God. <laughs> he doesn't know his true heart because God's an amazing master. Mm. Um, all right, number 15. Uh, I'm sorry, 14. Obviously, the biggest implication of this parable is that we are all entrusted with resources to steward for God's kingdom. What in your own life do you feel that you're burying? burying? So, um, again, another practical question. And here's probably the time I'm, I'm going to throw all of these in here right before prayer. Number 15, one problem with the third slave in this parable is that he's unwilling to engage in risk. What does this teach us about risk within the kingdom of God? And in what way is risk essential to discipleship? This is awesome. I love this question. Do you want to answer this for us? Doug? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, this is an impulse, I think, of all of us, right? That if I invest, I might lose. And so maybe mm-hmm. I don't invest. And, you know, and, and in the back of our minds, you know, yeah, there's always somebody, there's always somebody who loses or something from, from investing. Yeah. Um, and, but that is exactly the fear of the, of the, of the unfaithful servant here. Right. Is that, uh, what what if there's loss? Mm. You know what if what if there's loss, and um, uh, <clears throat> the, 
the the Lord throughout our our lives calls us to give up things for Jesus. Sure. <laughs> and, I mean, let me give a yeah. so let me give a practical example here too because like I think of this all the time. You know, when I first became a Christian, I was really hesitant to want to share my faith because I had this thought like, well, what will they think of me? Like, you lose your friends? Yeah. Will they still yeah. hang out with me? Do I still get to talk to them? Same thing with my family. You know what I mean? Am I going to be ousted from the family gatherings and, and so on and so forth? And at the end of the day, it's it's just a reminder like, what's at stake here? You know, the sake of my family salvation? Like, who cares if I feel a little awkward for asking to pray at Thanksgiving dinner? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Who cares? Let's do it. There's some risk there, but there's an incredible amount of reward. And what is it really that I'm risking anyway? Yeah. But yeah. anyway, last one here. Is there any place in your own life that you feel God's calling you to take a risk? Again, another practical question that I'm looking forward to answering to together. And I'd hope we'd end our time uh, this week just kind of praying for one another, you know, with some of these. Like, where has God in- given you resources and what has he entrusted to you and how can we be faithful with that to help see his kingdom go forward. If I could add just one more thing about the taking of risk. Again, um, keep in mind that there are places where biblical metaphors and parables do break down. Mm. Um, So we don't want to suggest that when we take a risk and things don't work out, God's going, we're going to be punished for it. Right. Right? Like that's not even in the parable. There is no servant who loses stuff. Right. So um, for example, like, what if I, you know, God wants me to, I, I, you know, you feel moved to to go towards a certain ministry and you engage in it. Let's say you plant a church and it fails. Mm. You know what I mean? Or start That's, a community group and nobody or signed st- up. Or nobody yeah. signed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that is not, it's not as if God is going to say to such person like, Oh, that's you're you're a wicked servant. Yeah, you didn't increase you. my assets. Right. No, that's 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 not how it works. Right. It's it's uh, there's there's nothing that we lose or give up for the sake of Christ that is truly a loss. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for tuning in with us again, Doug. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us. Thank you, Alex. Yeah. And we will look forward to seeing you guys on the next podcast. Take care. Peace out.